0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox, The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to the 55th episode of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and on today's show, special guest Avanti Centre, and the book is the Doomsday Medallion. Ooh, I'm shaking in my, I'm shaking in my shoes. This is a Van Ops thriller. This gal is a marketing genius. She's an exceptional writer, and international best-selling author, and she's got some really great insights that I think can help you as an upcoming writer, or if you're just an avid reader, let's get into the thriller zone.
1: Good morning, David good morning avanti how are you
0: it's so good to see you
1: yeah you too you having a little uh grape juice for the morning or starting early
0: that is actually a, a double espresso
1: oh i'm doing some hard stuff too uh agua mineral <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's funny
1: i'm ready to rock and roll whenever you are thrilled to be here <laughs>
0: Well, I'm thrilled to have you, you know, ever since the, I'm trying to remember, how did we connect?
1: I think, um, I had been, uh, checking out your work on Instagram and I believe I liked one of your posts or something like that. And you invited me to review your show. And I think we went from there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we both become uh, huge fans of one another. Haven't we?
1: We sure have. We sure have. I just absolutely love your show, hands down. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, I was just, and and I'm over the moon to be um, on the show with such guests that you've had i've been listening to your jeffrey deaver podcast um you've had ted bell on here and to be walking among those giants just um uh, thrills my little soul to no end
0: well you know what it's it's really fun i i'm having the time of my life uh fortunately i've got a little bit of experience with this in the background and yeah we've jeffrey deaver you've you've mentioned two of my favorites right there deaver and uh, ted bell uh, ted was uh, an early guest and you know uh and I just I think, yeah, my most recent one was a brand new up-and-coming author. So I'm trying to do a little balance of giving uh, brand new authors a chance every once in a while with that new uh, Discovering New Authors series.
1: So- yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And the Deaver show was, that was a master class right there. Um, any aspiring author should check out that podcast. That was worth its weight in gold.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. thank you thank you for saying that. I, I thought that too. I, I said Jeffrey at the end of it, uh, he lets me call him Jeff now. Hey, Jeff, uh you've just given like a master class right here. He goes, Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you can run across guys that big and that um kind and unaffected and giving, it just really uh God, it blesses. Blesses my soul, Avanti! It makes it all you.
1: worthwhile, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like Dave or David?
0: Uh, I like David. Uh, if all you right. call if you call me Dave, it's not gonna it's not gonna break my heart. Yeah, but
1: um, I'm I'm fine to acquiesce with whatever your little heart desires.
0: And by the way, you have uh, the single coolest name that has arrived on the show.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you
0: where in the wide world of thrillers did that come from can i ask that right out of the gate while we're here in the uh, greens
1: absolutely uh it's a pen name i was born with a boring midwestern name and i always wanted to be a writer and back in my wild and young 20s i got to thinking about that and uh yeah um it's, it's a bit of a story, actually. I had a conversation with somebody who said, you know, I think you're going to change your name someday. And I said, I'm not going to change my name. And um, they said, yeah, I think you are. And I forgot about the conversation. And months later, this was, again, in my wild 20s when I was a raft guide for a couple of summers. And I'm rowing down the river. And all of a sudden, I recall the conversation. And the word Avanti pops into my head. And I said, oh, that's way too pretty. You know, that's that's not me. I, I just, I can't, I, I can't live up to that name. And I made the mistake of telling a few friends about this story. And sure enough, next thing you know, everybody's calling me Avanti. Well, then I had to have some last name to go with Avanti because I just was not destined to be Cher. <laughs> uh, so I, I, between then and then, I learned that Avanti means to go forward in Italian, and I had no idea that this was the case when um, this name popped into my head while I'm rafting down the river. Uh, so to go forward, that seemed um, very uh, you know, unilateral, and so I came up with the centre part um, to kind of bring it back sort of, you know, spiraling back in, in the center. So energetically it's, uh, you know, more of a spiral instead of just, uh, going forward type thing.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Fair enough. I love it. Well, I love that story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I
0: wondered, I'm like, wow, her parents must've been <laughs> some kind of cool hippies back in the day.
1: One would think, but, yeah. but no, no boring Midwestern upbringing.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh, so your your real name will remain a secret with uh, with all of us. I suppose until I
1: become uber famous, then okay. you know I'm sure somebody will stick it out on Wikipedia. But in the meantime, <laughs> yeah, you can just call me Avanti.
0: All right, Avanti. Well, we're going to get to Doomsday Medallion. Look at that thing, Doomsday, a Van Ops thriller. You know, whenever I see this, I just want to kick into my. It's Doomsday Medallion, a Van Ops thriller. You know. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it brings out the thriller voice over in me, but we're going to talk about that. But I do want to talk about, uh, you know, you know what you were doing before you became this international bestselling author. Now you mentioned river rafting and I, I, I didn't, I did, I was privy to that. So what else were you doing that full time before that one day that you woke up and you said, and I shall be a craftsman of words.
1: Well, so that happened more when I was about five. Um, my, my mom started reading to me when, when she was teaching me to tie my shoes. We, we learned to read very young. And I was one of those um, obsessed with the encyclopedia. I grew up in, in the day before, you know, the, the world was our oyster on the, on the cell phones. Um, so I had the whole set of encyclopedias there. And I was that kid that for fun would read the dictionary you know, I'd flip through it, you know, oh, what uh-huh. does this word mean? Um, and if I came across something when I was reading and I didn't know what it was, mom would say, go look it up. So I'd go and and then I'd get distracted in the dictionary, you know, OK, that word means this. Oh, but look at that word. That's cool. Oh, what's this? You know, um, so there was the encyclopedias, too. Um, but uh, my parents in their wisdom um, steered me toward a more. Uh, Financially stable path, and so I, <laughs> I went to Purdue University and got a degree in computers, and uh, did that for a couple of years, and then um, said, Oh my God, I went to f- school for four years for this, you know, to sit in an office building. Uh, wow, I just don't know that I can do this the rest of my life. And that's when I saved my pennies, paid off my student loans, and went traveling around the world did that with a buddy. Um, we had a blast. Uh, six six months of hanging out in Europe all over, um, everywhere from Germany to Norway, all the way down through Yugoslavia, Greece, Spain, and yeah, there's some stories from, from all that. Um, and I wanted to be a writer even then. I remember sitting on the beach in Greece um, reading some, you know, pulp fiction, thinking, wow, I could probably do a better job than this, but I don't know where to start, I don't know what to write, Um, so I made a conscious decision at that time that I needed to go live a while, um, and then circle back to the whole writing, and in the meantime, I studied craft, you know, I subscribed to Writer's Digest, read all those books about how to write a best-selling novel, Um, and when I came back from Europe uh, a couple years later was when I was a raft guide, but I quickly realized that as much fun as that was, it didn't really pay the bills or, you know, allow me to buy a house um, or a car or any of those things. So I went back into the computer industry and did that off and on, uh, along with flipping houses. Um, I've flipped quite a few houses in my day, too. And uh, so when I woke up one day and said, you know what, it's it's now or never to do the writing thing, I was actually an executive um, for uh, Silicon Valley um, IT Outfit,
0: wow, wow, that and you never there. yeah, and you never looked back, did you
1: no, 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 that's a stressful, stressful world right there
0: yeah right i now. can't I can't even fathom that world, uh, I can't balance my checkbook, so I can't even imagine what that would be. <laughs> all right so let's talk about doomsday medallion and this world because you know your book has been described and this is perfect by the way i i ripped through it uh it was such a hoot and i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna probably say this again later because i was just mesmerized you can flat out write an action scene holy simoleon man
1: isn't that weird you know, I'm a boring girl from the Midwest, um, but I've had these dreams my whole life. Even last night, I had dreams where bad guys were chasing me. Um, You know, somebody was, I had to sneak out here and sneak out there and, you know, the guns and yeah. So there's something going on with my subconscious that uh, really is drawn to action. I've always loved, my dad was um, in military intelligence in North Korea. And I think um, he loved, James Bond, all those kinds of books, you know, um, had some Clive Cussler sitting around the house. Um, and so for whatever reason, I've always loved action and, you know, I think it's also some of that, my get on with it personality. I, I, I also love character growth. Um, so I try to balance the two, but I find myself just getting caught up in, Oh, and, and then this, you know, bad guys could do this. And then, you know, the, (laughs) <laughs> the heroes could have to escape this way. And yeah, I just get caught up in that action. It's, it's just so much fun. Well,
0: I was going to say, I'm just going to pick a jumping off point. I would love to have sat here and read a chapter or two because, but it would just, I, I couldn't stop somewhere around <laughs> 80, 85, 86, 87. Uh, it, it gets to the point uh, in the, in this helicopter skiing chase. It's <laughs> It's like right out of James Bond. Like while I'm watching watching the movie in my head as I'm reading, I'm uh-huh. like, oh my god, this is like a uh, what's the movie? Uh, not to put either one of us on the spot. What's the movie? The James Bond movie where he's skiing down the slope, and I want I want to say it was Roger Moore. Doesn't Oracle. matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh but but my mind was turning back to that and it's just the way that dun 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 uh uh oh no oh 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 shit oh holy oh my you know and that's Uh uh-huh yeah
1: (laughs) that one was a lot of fun um and also the the extended chase scene in the beginning of the book um you know jeffrey deaver was talking about being an outliner i am a total outliner and when i outlined that stretch of the novel um I knew it was going to be a lot of fun, but when I started writing it, I realized it, it was just one big action scene that transpired over the course of, I don't know, 10 chapters or something. (laughs) You know, it was Maddie's perspective and she's getting shot at in the library and then, you know, Will's getting shot at in the harbor and then, yeah, so that, that um, was, I think, the longest action scene I've ever written and it was just a blast.
0: It's going to be expensive when it goes to the big screen but we'll talk about that in a minute um all right so da vinci code meets tomb raider i think you probably coined that phrase and it's absolutely perfect because it's a little piece of both so we're blending intrigue and history and science and mystery and pulse pounding page turning knuckle whacking thriller um did you originally, question that kept running through my mind, originally to set out a creative a book that blends all of these, like, or, you know, were you heading this way? Like, I'm I'm heading to Dan Brown, to borrow a phrase, uh, route, and then all of a sudden, ooh, let's put in a dash of James Bond, and, or did you, you know, it, so question one is, did you start out that way? Question two is, with all of that do you ever say you know what maybe i need to stretch myself and do another form of fiction
1: yes to both of those actually. Um, when I, when I sat down in 2013 and decided, you know what, I'm not getting any younger here. And if I'm going to make this dream come true, I better get on the ball with it. And I've kind of had those life experiences that I wanted to have in my twenties. And now I, I, I know much more about what I want to write about. And, um, I picked the, the Dan Brown, James Rollins, Steve Berry subgenre um, because I thought I could, um, I thought I could excel in it. You know. Know, and it, it brought in a bunch of the interests that I've had throughout my life, and, and there's a lot of creativity in there. You know, you can take it to the, the Matt Riley extreme and go completely comic book over the top, um, or you can you know take it more the Steve Berry you know focusing more on the history, history side. Yeah. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of latitude in there. Um, I didn't intentionally set out with the Lost Power to Combine all of those things. Um, mostly, I had an ending in mind. You know, I I, I started uh, like I used to advise people when I was a Silicon Valley IT executive: start with the end in mind. And I had this ending in mind, um, and I I worked backward from there. And then as I was putting together all of the marketing parts of it, I I kind of decomposed it, um, and realized that it did contain those different elements. And I asked some, some early readers of my first book, what movies it reminded them of, and, you know, and they were thinking, you know, Da Vinci Code, um, but because we have a female heroine and there's quite a bit of, uh, action that happens in, um, temples and those sorts of places, the, the tomb Raider idea came up. And so, um, and, and that, um, that phrase, when I first started marketing the lost power, I marketed all kinds of different, I tried all sorts of different hooks with different ads, and, and that one stuck. And to this day, uh, with the Doomsday Medallion, um, it's, it still captures people because they can sort of see right away, okay, so this is a, a fun action oriented, um, maybe there's some archaeology in there, but there's also some clues, um, and maybe, you know, some, uh, you know, fascinating um, mysteries, you know, so uh, so when I talk about intrigue, history, science, and mystery, it's not necessarily the whodunit kind of mystery, it's more Human mystery, right? right. Um, so there's some of that in there as well, and uh, so with this series, yes, I've tried to kind of stick within those boundaries, um, and there is just a tad bit of paranormal in there too, just 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 a just a bit, you know. The Van Ops um, was born like a phoenix from the ashes of the CIA's paranormal activities, um, so that's what Van Ops has. Um, I started um, another series or it might be a standalone that may be the next book that i publish that doesn't have any of the paranormal in it um it's got uh it's it's more of a classic thriller but as I was writing it, I couldn't help myself, and I ended up pulling in some Cleopatra history <laughs> kind of stuff, you know, I, I had wanted it to be more of just a, a straight thriller, and I was like, no, but it would be so perfect if I pulled Cleopatra in here, and and so then it it ended up being a little more similar to the, you know, the Van Opp series than I had originally intended, but it's, it's such a fantastic book, and it has just quite the twist at the end that I, I just, couldn't resist, so we'll see. I'm I'm actually in that in between books type, trying to figure out if um I want to uh what I want to do next.
0: And it's so funny that you referenced that starting with the end in mind, because referencing back to the Jeffrey Deaver conversation, he's a big fan of that. You know, know what the end scene or the end sentence or the end uh, theme or idea is, and then work backwards. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you. I have often vacillated, Avanti, I've often vacillated between plotting and pantsing. And uh, I can say, having now done eight books, that it really does serve you well to outline, even if it's just a sentence, just a skeleton, because with a quick glance, you can tell if it's going to work or, you know, where yeah, right. you're going to, you know, people who, and, and I, I applaud the guys who can just sit down and bang away. Uh, and I've certainly done it that way, but yeah, I uh, I think, I think outlining in some form or fashion is kind of gold.
1: It really works for me, David. And, um, I started reading your book, the Poser. And uh, nicely done. I I really like your Norelli character. Um, Last night I was awakened by, you know, those gremlins that inhabit your smoke detectors? Yes. Yes. And at three in the morning, the battery, you know, they decide "Eh, it's time for the battery. (laughs) Yeah. So last night I I was awakened by that little gremlin and laid there in bed for a while and pulled up your book that I had started yesterday. And um, so, so Norelli kept me company until I could, you know, fall back to sleep. Um, But yeah, outlining for me, you know, and I really admire the people that can just sit down and and pants it away. But that is not how I've ever worked. Um, I I end up with like probably a six page outline with one um, uh, paragraph per Uh chapter. Um, so by the time I'm done with my outline, I add description and dialogue. So I do a lot of my research um and I think a little bit about the marketing too, you know, how am I going to market this when I'm done? Um so I like doing all of that research up front. Um I've got little character bios. So I know all about my characters. I even pick out little pictures for my characters. So Gal Gadot same. is Maddie, you know, I think is just perfect. And so then when I'm describing my character I can reference back to the pictures so I I've, I've got a little you know method that works for me but I think that one of the things that I've seen as I've been in this industry, is that it's different for everybody, you know, and, you know, for you and your writing, you know, maybe it's a mix, right? Maybe you yeah. have a really brief outline and then you just love to, to pants away. Um, for for me, um, I just, I have to have that very extensive outline. And, and even then, as I'm writing, I find that things come up, right? I, I get to be creative when I'm tackling that chapter or two for the day. And I do end up having to go back um, and uh, and what I do is I keep my outline up to date. So if I get halfway through the book and I decide, oh, this would be perfect for such and such, then I'll go in and and update my outline and go back and and you know change it in the other places prior to that point. That that outline for me is is my map.
0: First of all, thank you so much for the nice words about the poser. Um, that's very kind of you. Um. Uh, that book was outlined because there's so much going on there's so i don't know how far into it is and i won't this is your show but i will say that there's so much going on and so many uh, red herrings and little overlays that if you didn't have some kind of a sketch you could get lost um, conversely, right, yeah. I'm
1: only at about chapter 30 or something, but oh. I'm, I'm having a great time with it. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you. Uh, the, the follow-up to that, the imposter it's, uh, that was, I knew where I wanted to start. I knew where I was going to end, but I pants the entire thing. So we'll see yeah. how that, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you, you made a couple of comments that are really liked and kind of went, bing, and that is this, you and I have, uh, God, there, there's so many little coincidences between you your life and mine and it's and i i can actually say that with all sincerity because i've been watching you for so long and i'm like oh my god how funny is that like here's a case in point uh if i may your designer your designer i bet you you got from reedsy
1: yes because
0: he did the cover of knuckle down which Uh yeah david uh of Vanesian or something like that. Yeah, and if he, you if
1: you guys are looking for a good cover, go to I think Tur Thirty Three. Tur Thirty Three Design. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he did that for me. So that's interesting. Then uh, that you is. and I sh- share this very interesting little idea that uh, I do the same thing. I now I'll work. I'll build the structure in Scrivener. So that I can mm-hmm. know, you know, all the elements, the chapters, and the sidebars, and I'll pull in the little photograph. I go to, I do exactly mm-hmm. what you do. I pull actors, <laughs> and I, and I use them as inspiration, mm-hmm. because I'm like, and then I, you know, the those faces remind me of characters that they played, and of course, it's not just the look. It's the oh, that guy played in West Wing, and he was so good at that, and he reminds me of this character named Bob, and, mm-hmm. and that just fits but here's a little funny thing. I, I I'd like to challenge you to do this. This is right. really interesting. I, I use so many different pieces of software, but so Scrivener can, there's a learning curve. It can be a little hefty, mm-hmm. but it's great for organization. But whenever I'm hitting a bump or as a, you know, some call it writer's block. It's not a, a block. It's just a, ah, where am I going?
1: And I'll open a, in the road.
0: Yeah. Yes. I'll open a program called vellum. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that?
1: I've I've heard of it. I've not used it. Okay, I think it's, it's a, Mac only, right? It is. Where it used to be, yeah.
0: Now, Dave Chesson. I'm not doing commercials here, but I know that Dave Chesson's going to be on the show coming up. He's uh, the Kindlepreneur, mm-hmm. and I want to bring guys in who can t- uh, help uh, us writers with a lot of the mechanics of writing, besides just being a good thriller writer. Mm-hmm. And he's come up with a software called Atticus. So it's kind of like uh, it's the formatting like vell- software, exactly. It's va- mm-hmm. it's it's Vellum for PC as well. Mm-hmm. Point being, the reason I do that is you can literally start writing inside of it, and it looks like a book. And so mm. I have this little piece of joy that I get when I'm mm. writing that it already looks like a book. So it gives me that little extra bit of confidence. Yeah, this looks good laid out as a book. And there's my chapter header, and I'm banging away. And uh huh. Little secret tricks that we all use, right?
1: There you go. Yeah, I'm a word girl. I don't use Scrivener. I've looked at it. I don't use anything fancy. Um, As a matter of fact, here's a confession: before (laughs) before um, February, I was a BlackBerry girl. Loved my keyboard. Loved my keyboard. I had a key too. And I'm sorry, Samsung, but. I miss my BlackBerry. Yeah. I wrote books on that BlackBerry. I loved being able to just be on a hike because I think better when I'm moving. Whip out my BlackBerry. The keys for my little kinesthetic thumbs work so much better than, you know, because I like to feel the keys. So yeah. if somebody ever brings back that, um, that, that, that's my tool of choice for for writing right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Delightfully old school of auntie. Yes. Like yeah.
1: Yes, dinosaur.
0: All right, so first came uh, Lost Power, then Solstice Solstice Shadows, and then Mm -hmm. Doomsday Medallion. And so two-part question, I do this all the time, sorry, bear with me. What do these three bestsellers have in common, kind of like that little common thread, and... Mm -hmm. And what's four going to be like now you've already made a reference of a possible four, but you also led me to believe that, well, I was going to do this completely different, but now i kind of wanted to bring in Cleopatra. So it might or might not be number four.
1: It's not going to be van ops. Number four. Um, the, the, so the, the common thread is characters, right? Um, you know, there's some, some different, uh, different, Plots in each of the first three Van Ops novels. Um, the My fourth novel uh, will either be a standalone or the start of a different series. That's one of the things that I'm mulling over right now is do I want to take those characters on another adventure or not. Um, so these these three books the Van Ops thrillers, um, have at their core, Maddie Marshall, who's, um, she looks like Gal Gadot. She's tall, long legs, dark hair, green eyes, um, and her brother is her twin. Um, They're in their early 30s. He's also tall. He's got curly hair, uh, tan skin, big wide smile, long eyelashes like a girl's. Um, They both have long legs, Uh, and their third primary character. Uh, if you guys are starting with the, the first novel, I'm, I'm not going to tell you too much except that uh, this guy, uh, Bear Thornton, um, he had a crush on Maddie throughout high school, just an unrequited crush. He was too short. Maddie's tall right she's like 5'11 something like that bears only 5'8 and so in high school she was like forget about it you know you're cute and all but I just can't go there well their paths cross again in the first book um, and uh, continue to cross over the course of the next three books so you've got the the conflict between Maddie and and Will as twins I don't know if you've ever known twins. My mom and my aunt are twins and they absolutely love each other. And they will be the first to tell you that they butt heads on almost everything all the time. So I really liked the idea of having uh, twins as sort of the centerpiece of um, this particular series. Yeah.
0: That is awesome. And I did like that. And, and bear bears an interesting character. Uh, I'm not going to ruin it, but you know, you, you, there's something that, uh, and I wanted to say this out of the gate, is that has so impressed me about you is your marketing savvy. So I would like to take a short break, and when we come back, Avanti's going to share her secrets to marketing her craft. Stay with us. All right. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about something. if it had come to the time when I needed a website and I was just going to rely on my own skills for it, I would probably still be tinkering with my website. Dave Temple here for authorbytes.com. Yeah, I have built websites in the past. I've used TypePad, WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, GoDaddy, you name it. And that's well and good. And yes, you can save money by doing it yourself. You can also get hacked once or twice like me, but seriously, folks, if you're looking for a website host, go to authorbytes.com. Use the code, the thriller zone and get three months free hosting with your one year contract. you know what that means? That's three months free with a one year contract. You're going to spend the money one way or the other, you're going to spend it up front. You're going to spend it on the back. You're going to spend it uh, on this software or that software, getting somebody to help you to fix it or save your butt. One way or the other, you're going to spend the money. And if you're an author today, whether it's traditionally published or self-published, you need a presence. You need a website. Authorbytes.com. Tell them David Temple sent you from the Thriller Zone. Use the code the Thriller Zone. Three months free, one-year deal.
1: Hey, I'm Avanti Centra here on the Thriller Zone with the fantastic David Temple. We're talking about my latest book the Doomsday Medallion, and I'm really grateful to be on the show. Thanks for having me, David. You're listening to The Thriller Zone, and now back to the show.
0: Welcome back. Avanti Centre is with me, and we're talking about the business of being a writer because, you know, it's great to sit in a room and come up with these cool ideas and sit (laughs) and write for hundreds of thousands of words on any given day. But, you know, it takes a lot to be able to market ourselves, to be able to craft that Uh, That query letter when it's time to come find an agent, if that's what you want to do, or how to work on the marketing of our self-published book, if you want to go that way. And, you know, I have watched you. Your website is a stunning example of this. And, you know, if you ever want to know what Avanti's up to, go to her website, which is AvantisandTrey.com and just look at the plethora of places she's been both in research and been to talk about her books but um you know i've seen that you made it into the itw's big thrill magazine with an excerpt and thrillerfix.com and newinbooks.com and i i I just want to find out kind of what your secret sauce is to to being um kind of everywhere and having so much great traction on your work. Can you share that with us, Avante?
1: Well, I think it starts with having a good novel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that means uh, having a good editor, right? Um, Andrea right. Roberts, Robinson um, has been my editor on the last two books and she's fantastic. If anybody, any writers out there are looking for an editor. So you, you've got to have a good book, um, then you need to uh, have some connections, right? It really helps to get some blurbs for your work. And I've been just blessed with uh, the outpouring of support from other authors, right? So you you reach out to other authors and you say, you know, hey, I absolutely love your work. We have a, a similar uh, audience base and I do a lot of marketing. And, you know, it will be good for you to blurb my book because... Mm-hmm. I do a lot of marketing, so would you like to blur my book? <laughs> um, and I've been, uh, you know, just very grateful for the overwhelming support from my fellow authors. Um, and then it's a lot of hard work, right? So uh, the public relations part is one part, the marketing is another part, and so um, underpinning all of those is is money, right? Oh yeah. Um, so it's it's not cheap doing uh, a launch. Um, or or marketing your books on an ongoing basis. You know, it, a good editor costs money. You guys should be prepared to spend money for a good editor. Um, and then there's the copy editor, right? So it's not just one editor, it's two. Um, and if you um, are, uh, uh, you know, in a place where you're doing your own work or even if you're querying, I think it's really good to hire an editor before you query, put your best foot forward. Um, All the marketing and public relations, you can do some of that stuff yourself. Uh, Dana Kay has a great PR program where she teaches people, authors specifically, how to uh, do their own public relations, how to reach out. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have an excellent public relations person. I do some of the marketing myself. um, And some of those um, placements, you can buy with enough advance notice. Uh, Some of them, um, you know, you cannot, right. So you have to just put yourself out there and, you know, take it on a case by case basis and, you know, see if, you know, those particular places will, um, you know, accept you or not. And once you start getting some traction, you know, then it becomes a lot easier right because as you mentioned people can now go to my website and they can see oh I was on an NPR program you know I've been featured in ITW a few times so you get some some credibility um, I had one post go viral and Newsweek picked it up you know that was that was really really fun and fantastic Wow. Um, yeah so so all of those things um you know they they add up and they they add your credibility so the hardest thing is starting from scratch you know a lot of nonfiction authors have a platform um, a lot of fiction authors do not, you know, we're former attorneys, former doctors, former IT executives, former waitresses, former lifeguards, former whatever, and you know, we're we're trying to to put our work out there. So whatever you can do to get some initial credibility. Um, really helps you know whether that's finding finding a publisher black opal books published my first novel um, so whatever you can do there uh if your great aunt Nellie knows james patterson <laughs> have have great aunt Nellie ask james patterson for a blurb um so what so you pull out those stops you know you dig through your connections you find out who knows who the, the world is six degrees of separation and so you you do what you can for all of that. And then, and then there's all the ads, right? Oh goodness. Yeah. BookBub, Facebook, Amazon, um, and all three are very different platforms. Um, I still do not feel like I've mastered Amazon at all. It's (laughs) very expensive cost per click. um, And uh, I'm, I'm not at all happy with my results there. Um, BookBub, I've got a pretty good, um, you know, money in sales out. Uh, Facebook. um, With this book, I'm finally doing some Facebook ads. And thanks to some words of wisdom from other authors on different Facebook groups and like that, I've been able to figure out finally how to get Facebook ads to work for me. Um, But until you've got uh, quite a few books, um, you know, to where you have a a backlist, uh, you're better off not um, spending the farm
0: that is a really let's let's stop there and put a pin in that because uh, not a pen because it isn't stopping but that's such a great piece of advice because you can get wrapped up in let's say you have one book maybe two books and you start pumping money into BookBub and facebook and amazon and so forth and if you not really because i blew through a lot of money when i didn't know what i was doing at all and it can be daunting scary um uh, then couple that with the fact that, uh, some of these companies like to continue to change their algorithm. And then you are right about the time you get used to this, they're over here and you're like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great when you have friends like you have that have given you insight on how to do uh, certain things, how to master it, or maybe even not just mastered, be able to understand it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, Oh, what's his name? Robert Ryan. Uh, with a- Amazon Ads Unleashed. He's got a Facebook group for authors out there. Um, go check that out because there's um, an amazing number of authors that share their words of wisdom out there. Um, David Gogren, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name. Oh, yeah. He wrote the book on Bookbub Ads and has a marketing newsletter that's free to subscribe to, full of wonderful tidbits and tips and tricks. And, uh, and I made the same mistake you did. You know, I put out the lost power. I got some great blurbs, won a couple awards and thought the whole world's going to love this book. It's going to be a million copy bestseller. If only I spend enough on advertising. Right. Right. Well, I have sold a lot of that book, um, but it's not a million copy bestseller. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm here to say, um, it's sold a lot and has hit a number of bestseller lists, but, uh, you know, that's different than, You know, the million copy bestseller. And so the advice I would give to my younger writing self is to wait until you've got three, four, five books, because that's what the guys that are spending a buck 50 a click on Amazon. They've got a backlist of, you know, they're they're the Kevin Tomlinson's of the world who have 40 books out there. So they're able to spend 10, 12 dollars total or more for that first reader because they're hoping that that reader is going to go through and read some, if not all of their backlist. And if you've only got three books, you need to really watch your spend.
0: Oh yeah. It disappears quickly. And back to David Gogarin. However you say his last name, he is a hoot and a half uh, Scottish. I believe I'll sometimes just find myself going down a rabbit hole, watching his YouTube videos because he's so engaging and so bizarre and so interesting but he does so much stuff for free by just mm-hmm. to just wanting to help there's so that's another thing about this community that we love so yeah. much right avanti is that exactly. everyone they just want to help and be of service and uh, very few businesses i've ever been involved in which is mainly show business you don't quite find that reciprocity
1: with with it yeah yeah. But I think we all love books. You know, wow. we all grew up as readers. Uh, we all want to share the love of the written word. Um, you know, when we find somebody whose work we resonate with, we're rabid about it. You know, it's like, oh, this is the best book ever. What do you mean the guy only wrote one book? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, I am Pilgrim, Terry, uh, Terry, somebody. I think it was the only book he wrote. You know, it was a great book. Um but he, he, for whatever reason, um, wrote one. That and is the,
0: that is a kick in the shorts and you, you've just Hayes. laid it. Yeah. You lay it Harry down. Oh
1: yeah. my God. You're like, I love
0: this. I cannot wait for the next. Wait, what's that? Oh, he did. Oh, he didn't oh. write anything
1: else. Okay. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. It's a hard industry. Yeah. It is a, it is a hard industry, a hard industry to make money in, you know, um, a hard industry to break into from a, traditional publishing standpoint um, and from a supply and demand standpoint there's uh, you know the proliferation of Amazon and and self-publishing has been a blessing and a curse yeah, because yeah. there's um, you know I, I feel like what's happening in the industry is uh, the subgenres are becoming more and more and more defined um, but I, I also feel like there's a lot of people a lot of readers maybe you know like me who don't necessarily, Want to read just that, you know, that little itsy bitsy niche can get boring. You know, you read four or five books that are all exactly the like alike and it's like huh well i kind of could see the end of that coming um so it's 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 fun to mash up the genres a little bit you know like i do um or i i really appreciate other authors that are you know at the top of their game that can really are either masters of that genre or are able to do something a little bit different
0: you know and to that point um mashing up there's something I couldn't help, but feel a, um, a spiritual influence in the character, <laughs> Maddie Marshall. I mean, it was, it was And I grew up for in a, in a very, uh, strategically and, uh, uh strong christian background so uh something in there resonated with me and i went mm-hmm. wait what is that now so first of all am i right and so and secondly what's the background or against uh, again that um that secret sauce to adding that extra little layer that i couldn't quite and i think you referenced it earlier as paranormal and maybe it is paranormal but there was a spiritual aspect in there and I and I cannot put my finger on it exactly, but I remember going,
1: hmm,
0: what's that about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um I too have been a, a spiritual seeker. Um I grew up Catholic and and that didn't um didn't wet my appetite. Um Maddie Marshall is um uh, she's she gets to take advantage of my 20 or 30 years of Seeking, if you will, um, for for spiritual answers. And she's a a little bit of a dichotomy in the thriller world, because instead of like judo or Krav Maga or, you know, just being born with a gun in her hand, she actually has a background um, as an Aikido practitioner. Okay. And Aikido is something I studied for a little while, and it's um, a martial art that is more of a defensive martial art. Okay, so there's the the whole point of Aikido is to bring things back to a peaceful resolution. So you use the the opponent's energy yeah. against themselves, but not to hurt them. Okay, you're just trying to get them to stop being violent. Yeah. Right, you're just like, whoa, dude! Why did you just throw that punch at me? Let me grab your wrist and twist it and bring it around your back and make you realize the error of your ways. You know, just <laughs> chill out. Um, so that's that's a keto in a nutshell. And and Maddie uh, started studying this in high school, and by the time the the books start, she's a black belt and trying to progress. And I've always been really fascinated by the Stephen Segals of the world and um, the the spiritual energetic um, aspect of, of martial arts, right? So there's some Akita practitioners that can do all of those things I just talked about without actually touching the person. You know, they can see the person's energy coming um, and they can work with the person's energy and, you know, bring about that peaceful resolution in that way, and so all of my fascinations with those things are able to, you know, live in in Maddie, and and Maddie, while not necessarily being um, a spiritual seeker, she has to confront um, throughout these books uh, fear, and that was part of why I wanted to write thrillers, is because um, they're all about fear, and overcoming fear, and overcoming the fear of death, Right. Um, So in in some of the earlier books, Maddie has to deal with um, her fear of claustrophobia um, in Uh, the Doomsday Medallion. She's already dealt with that, but readers of the whole series will, when she walks into this cave at the end, she's like, "Oh yeah, no claustrophobia here," you know, because it's it's really big. Um, Will likewise has to deal with some of his fears in the in the first book. He's afraid of heights and has to, in order to save the day, he has to climb something very very tall um, at the end of the book, and and so. I'm I'm pulling in um, you know some some pop psychology some mysticism um, and uh, and the doomsday medallion um, was just so fun to write because it's all about Nostradamus and um, for for those of you listening if you know this much about Nostradamus that's about how much I knew too when I first had the idea to pull in. To use him to tie some of the other story elements together. I wanted to dig into Maddie and Will's backstory when their mom died when they were young. I wanted to dig into the backstory of Van Ops, which um, had this, um, this focus on the, the paranormal and um, out-of-body experiences um, based on CIA true stories right, um, so I wanted to pull those things in, and I thought, oh, the history element, Nostradamus, this guy I knew this much was that he had um, theoretically um, prophesied a bunch of things that came true, so so I, that was all I knew, as I started to research Nostradamus, right, I'm like, how did this guy do that, did he really do that, did he, was he really wanted, uh, was he really a prophet, you know, was he really able to predict um, the Great Fire of London? Um, Was he really able to predict the cutting off of Henry VIII's head? Um, Was he really able to predict Hitler or de Gaulle? And the more I researched, the more I was just fascinated. Um, De Gaulle, for instance, who was a three-time French president, um, Nostradamus had a a quatrain or a four-line poem that actually mentioned the name de Gaulle hundreds of years earlier not wow. just like 20 years de Gaulle wasn't even born so it's like a couple hundred years earlier right so i'm just fascinated by how this guy do that and yeah. and what if he had a formula you know what if he had a way that he codified how he did that um and all the military superpowers of the world wanted that formula wouldn't that be fun and yes that's a super fun you know premise for the novel um but it it kind of his his background and um his you know kind of how he does that when i first um was trying to figure out how i wanted to play that um i didn't really know what his formula was or could have been and so the twins are arguing about you know you know well did he did he use herbs of some sort or meditation of some sort so throughout the book they're they're arguing about what his formula is all about. Um, and as I wrote the book, I came up with uh, a different hypothesis on how he might have been able to do that um, mm-hmm. that involves a more spiritual way of of being rather than um, something a little more mundane. Um, so, so yeah, there is some spirituality in the book and and um, the the reader feedback to that, um, because it's it's more of a universal spirituality. So it's not a, a dividing type of spirituality. It's more of a unifying type of spirituality, which I think is, what true spirituality is all about. Yeah, so, yeah, girl,
0: we don't need any more divide in spirituality. <laughs> we, we got, got plenty, plenty of that. Of that.
1: <laughs> we got plenty of that. And it's so ironic because you look at the underlying tenets of all the world's major religions and they all are about love, right? Yes.
0: I was having a uh, conversation with uh, someone uh, just this past weekend and um, they, ad- when they found out, this particular gentleman found out some of my religious background after he lifted his jaw off of the bench, he said, and wh- how did you get out of that? How, wh- what made you, where did you, you know, what was the solution? I said, well, when I woke up, but that begs a whole nother conversation, the point being, I said, here was a little bit of my beef, and it's always been my beef. And being a preacher's kid, I can say uh, this with reckless abandon.
1: Uh-huh.
0: In case you're wondering.
1: I am, yeah.
0: And that is this. And I always want to say, okay, wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that your your religion is the only way. Period. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So mr muslim mr catholic mr buddhist mr fill-in-the-blank there theirs is not really and therein lies a lot of that equation i won't go down that uh, rabbit hole avanti but you can see where i could go don't you
1: well and there's a lot of fiction fodder there right oh yeah you know <laughs> from the crusades to modern day genocide you know it's it's a sad state of affairs but uh you know, it seems to be part of the the human condition, and it's and it's too bad because at the end of the day, we are all human, right? Yeah. And the only thing that really differentiates us, us from each other is what we think and what we believe, and we have the power to change those thoughts and beliefs.
0: And so, I'm having a I'm having a flashback. Uh, my dad and I are driving home from church one day, and yeah. we had overheard this argument between a couple of of our brethren, our believers. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were arguing about something. And I turned to dad and he's driving. I said, dad, can, can I just boil this down to like the essence? Can I just ask you, isn't, isn't it all kind of just about love? And he turns to me, and he goes, son, that's all it is. And yep. that's where our heads should be. Yep. So if you will turn in your hymnals to number. Amen, eight. brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we start to wrap it up, I do have this question. It'll be perfect timing. And it, it as it pertains to like focusing on our goals, Avanti, or whatever, yeah. do you have a mantra or a philosophy, um, not a religion, but a philosophy that you kind of hold on to, you live by, you you, you formulate your life by?
1: I have a lot of those, and they kind of eke their way into the books. Um, I think uh, the one that might be most appropriate to share is the epigraph at the beginning of the Doomsday Medellin. Do you remember that one? It's by um, Sun Tzu, who was a famous military strategist. And he says, if you know the enemy and know thyself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Yeah. Yeah. So. Part of war, right? the art of war. Yeah. So there's a lot wrapped up into that knowing thyself and I still am learning about myself. Um, but fortunately there's a lot of, you know, tools and techniques that people can use to, to do that. And sometimes it's just a matter of sitting, you know, quietly with yourself and seeing what's, you know, what's, what's inside.
0: Uh, and and the getting the quiet is 50% of it.
1: Oh, there's so much noise that we all have, and and when we're emotionally traumatized, Maddie does this in um, in book one. She's just all spun out. Um, there's so much going on, and she's you know the the pop term is she's plugged in, right? Yeah. She's she's having an, an emotional reaction, um, and she needs to deal with that in order to um, continue to on on her on her journey to, she's, she's having to pass these tests.
0: We're going to get too rapid for our questions here in just a second, but I, I have to ask this one question because yeah. it's something I ask all writers, especially someone with your uh, expertise. And if you could boil down your writing advice, you know, you're sitting in front of uh, brand new writers, uh, up and coming writers, writers that are struggling, but maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be one specific sentence, but just kind of the gist of what your, Uh, writing advice would be? What would that be?
1: I think it would be to learn to use both sides of your brain. As creative people, we tend to think about one side or the other, right? We've been told that the right side of our brain is very creative. Um, And I think that that's true. And I think we need to learn how to harness that, right? So I harness that creativity um, in the shower, or in that in-between sleepy-wakey state, you know, on the weekend when you can sleep in and you're kind of dozing, that's the perfect time to access your subconscious, right? That, that muse. Um, or when I'm on a walk, um, or meditating, right? Um, those are the times when I access that creative part. So when I have that writer's block, when I just don't know, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on that outline, and I'm just trying to figure out how all these pieces fit together. Um, I use one of those, that creative aspect of my brain to try to figure that all out. Um, but I also use the left side, the more analytical part of my brain um, for the structure, for the outline, um, for uh, trying to figure out those those beats, you know, and where to place those scenes um, and also uh, some of the, the business side, the, the marketing side. So I think it's very helpful to um, to consciously um, feed both sides of your brain and, and to be kind of aware when you're using one side or the other. So that's that's my writing advice.
0: I like that. Since you're a fan of the show, you're very familiar with rapid fire questions. Um,
1: I am. Yeah, I'm I, nervous.
0: You shouldn't be because uh, I think I'm of, of my four, I'm using three that I use a lot of because I just like them. And if, until somebody writes in and says, Dave, would you please, for the love of... <laughs>
1: all things holy use a different question
0: yeah but
1: uh
0: okay i won't be nervous then okay don't be so rapid fire question number one you're an outdoorsy person so what with rafting and water skiing backpacking hiking and you've planned an extended hike through the sierra mountains one of your favorite haunts you're gonna be gone for weeks sovante in case you didn't know Mm -hmm. this you've packed plenty of water and rations you're you're all good to go there but it's time to pack some music hmm being a music lover and a former radio DJ for many, 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 many years, I want you to, and I'm going to use this in phrases of a CD or an album. Of course, you're not taking a turntable or necessarily a CD boombox, but three of your favorites. You got, Yeah, exactly. I can see you doing that. You're going to add this to your gear. Just give me three, the three that pop in your mind that you like, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, so maybe some uh, REM. Okay. <laughs> some Cowboy Junkies. Um, and maybe some, you know, mix from K rock rock of the eighties. <laughs> Remember that? Were you in LA with the K rock days? Yes. K yes. rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm an alternative eighties girl all the way.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. On that same trip, question number two, you've packed the three tools that you're never without. What are the three? and why
1: well i wish i had that blackberry but um i'm gonna have to bring my cell phone i'm i'm never without my cell phone on a trip like that um another couple of tools um i don't know my boots gotta have my boots um and some sort of knife Uh, i've got a couple of really cool knives you know my dad's pocket knife would probably be excellent for that for that tool you know okay. in case you need to whittle chop stab yeah whatever you need to do
0: hopefully more uh, whittling and less stabbing
1: hopefully <laughs> all
0: right number three tammy and i have invited you to a dinner party at our home here in san diego you can bring the shepherds if you'd like to is it Great. two two german shepherds
1: uh one and a mix okay one's a chow shepherd mix yeah
0: okay you can bring Great. them along Now, I have asked that you invite someone you think would make an interesting conversationalist that would add to our dinner party. And by the way, my dead, my Carolina dog, Dexter, will be there giving your kids some company. So it can be one or two. I'm just going to go with one because it's pretty easy. Uh, It can be living or dead, somebody you've always looked up to. But who would that be that you would invite and why?
1: Oh, let's let's invite Gal Gadot because I want her to blurb my next book. (laughs)
0: I think you've mentioned her no less than four times during the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my next book, um, is either going to be called Cleopatra's Vendetta or Kiss of the Cobra. And from what I hear, Gal Gadot is making a Cleopatra movie, uh, a remake of the biopic. And I have a feeling she's going to kind of go in a similar direction with that as I'm going with this novel, which is, um, kind of, uh, um, what was happening at the time between cleopatra and caesar uh-huh. and the the war that they had and and how does that affect us today and i think if gal Gadot was able to to read my novel i think she'd blurb it in a heartbeat yeah
0: i think yeah. she would I, and
1: she'd be a great conversationalist too i mean it would be fascinating to hear some of her her stories absolutely
0: and a lovely gal to
1: boot well sure yeah
0: all right, and number four, last question. Hollywood has optioned Doomsday Medallion for a big blockbuster film. We are all very excited about
1: they that. They finally got a clue. They yeah. got a
0: clue. They said, we're going to put all our money on this one. You get to help uh, book the lead, Who who's going to play Maddie, we'll say. And in your perfect world, who would that be? Also, and I'm not sure if you're interested in acting, but something tells me you could act up a storm. But if you could play a role... <laughs> Would you, and who would it be?
1: Mm. Well, we've mentioned her name four or five times in the conversation <laughs> as recently as 30 seconds ago. So mm. Gal Gadot makes a perfect Maddie, uh-huh. you know, the, the, her acting in, in Wonder Woman, um, uh, Red Notice, um, you know, she's got the, she's got the looks, she's got the Maddie look, and I think she's got that twinkle in her eye that yes. um, is ornery enough to play Maddie um let's see in doomsday medallion who would i play well we have a, a young character of real who's only 16 um i couldn't play that it'd be kind of fun to play the blind asian woman that would <laughs> that would that would take some some uh doing wouldn't it yeah. yeah but you could
0: do it you could do it
1: i could you yeah. know we've got those those masks now right the sure. you know the mission impossible masks and you can
0: adapt it's movies you can adapt and and you can even tweak the character a little bit if you need to
1: true yeah Yeah. true we could you know put a lot more gray in my hair and you know i could be an old blind caucasian woman for that matter (laughs) um yeah yeah that would be a lot of fun and i would love for hollywood to um to recognize that these would make i think fantastic films they're just um you know james rollins said they're written in a in a cinematic style Um,
0: you can't beat it that's that's why i think i enjoyed it so much is because it was like watching a movie you know mm -hmm. and i hope you get that out of my book as well
1: i hope so too i'm i'm you know only a third of the way there and it's it's a lot of fun so far
0: and when it comes to the sequel you let me know i'll send you a copy okay okay Fair enough. All right, folks, if you'd like to learn more, visit AvantiCentrae.com. You can follow her on Twitter as I do at AvantiCentrae or Instagram, where she likes to mix it up with Avanti.Centrae.Author to make it fresh and keep you on your toes
1: yeah or vanops.net um if if my name is challenging to spell as as most people on the phone have a hard time with that just go to vanops.net and it will refer you over to my website and from there you can connect with me you can get the first six chapters of the lost power and check out my work um, or drop me a line i'd love to hear from you
0: that's awesome. I, that's a little thing I did not know. So we'll make sure that gets on the screen. But Avanti, thank you so much for the gift of your time. This has been as delightful as I had hoped it would be.
1: Oh, David, thank you for the gift of having me on your show. I'm, I'm walking among giants today and just on cloud nine. I, I am just super happy that um, I've been able to, to share your time. Thank uh, you so much.
0: Absolutely. Once again, a big thanks to Avante Centre in the book, Doomsday Medallion. What a fun time. Learned a lot, didn't you? Now, let's talk about next week. Aaron Philip Clark is going to be talking about his book, Under Color of Law. Man, this one I, I got into instantly. It's a cop thriller. Reminds me a little bit of my uh, Detective Pat Norelli, I, I got to admit. But if you're a fan of Michael Conley, you're going to like Aaron Philip Clark's Under Color of Law. Folks, do me a quick favor. Would you stop on by a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash davidtempleauthor, and subscribe. If you like to watch the show, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. And of course, you can always leave us a review on any of your favorite podcast channels, including thethrillerzone.com or Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Those five-star reviews really do go a long way in helping us grow our show. That is it for now. I'm David Temple, your host. I'll see you next week on The Thriller Zone. It's Doomsday Medallion, a Van Ops thriller.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny.
0: The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.